Fides querens intellectum, faith-seeking understanding. When I was studying theology, this quote from St. Anselm of Canterbury hit me deeply. We were reading through the works of St. Anselm, and many of his insights invigorated my faith. Little did I know that my relationship with this 11th century saint would not end there. More of the story coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for tuning in for this hour of on-air and online spiritual direction. I'm Patrick Conley. My reading for this theology class came in the midst of the time where I was really wrestling with whether or not to become Catholic. And it seemed like God just dropped this profound phrase, faith-seeking understanding, into my life at, of course, precisely the right time. Yeah, I had faith, but I wanted to understand my faith, which the Catholic Church was helping me to do in new and deep ways. Eventually, equipped with what understanding we did have, my wife and I decided to take a leap of faith and become Catholic. When we were told as part of our RCAA process that we were invited to pick a patron saint for our confirmation, I learned about and thought through a lot of them. It seemed like each saint's story was more amazing than the last. I didn't know who to select. Then someone told me, why not pray about it and let the saint choose you? So that's exactly what I did. I prayed and shortly afterwards... Fides Querens Intellectum jumped to the fore of my mind. And then there was just like this flood of all the other amazing things I had read about and read by this great saint. It's like he just stepped up and reintroduced himself to me, and it made perfect sense. I was confirmed in the name of Anselm. In the 13-plus years since then, my wife and I have developed friendships with a number of the saints. We have a personal litany of saints, currently including 39 saints, that we invoke each day, and each of them have made their way onto our list and into our lives for their own reason. How about you? Do you have a confirmation patron? Do you have your own personal litany? What's your devotion to the saints like? Which saint do you count as a deep personal friend? Today on the show, we're discussing devotion to and friendship with the saints. And guiding us today is a new spiritual director for the program, Father Richard Hermes, who's a Jesuit priest and the president of Jesuit High School in Tampa, Florida. Welcome to the show, Father. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate it. Well, we're really pleased to have you here for your debut on The Inner Life. So we always like for our new spiritual directors to introduce themselves a little bit. So maybe just a couple minutes on who you are, Father. Yeah, of course. It's it's first of all, it's good to be with you, and I'm happy to be with all the listeners on Relevant Radio today, and and joining this great conversation about the saints. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in Louisiana, so I've been in Florida since 2008, as you said, as president of Jesuit High School. But I grew up in Louisiana, which I mean, to most people outside of Louisiana, would be considered a very Catholic state, and uh, and that was certainly uh, true for the southern part of the state. But I grew up in North Louisiana in Shreveport. Oh yeah. Uh, to in a family, my, yeah, a large family, large Catholic family. My, I have seven siblings. There were eight of us, and my my mother was a Baptist, and and really most of I'd say most Christians in the, in North Louisiana be Baptist as much as anything, and mm. and her whole side of the family uh, were Baptist. 
But, you know, we, by the time I was born, she had converted to Catholicism. We were all raised and sent to Catholic schools there in Shreveport. And eventually I lived in Monroe, the northeastern part of the state. But for sure, the Catholic sort of life of Louisiana, kind of, of South Louisiana, kind of pervades the, the families and the schools of North Louisiana as well. Mm -hmm. We studied French. We, you know, had devotion to the Sacred Heart. You'd, you know, Mardi Gras would get a little emphasis. I attended a, a little grammar school in Shreveport named after St. Therese, the little flower. Nice. Um, yeah, and, and, and we kind of had a good, kind of healthy, normal Catholic family life. Uh, I went to a Jesuit high school. All, all seven of the boys went to Jesuit high school in Shreveport. Um, and then, and then in, and I graduated from there in 1981. And then in 1984, after a year at Loyola University in New Orleans and a couple of years at LSU rooting for the Tigers, I joined the Society of Jesus, and then I joined down in, in South Louisiana, in Grand Coteau, Louisiana, where our novitiate has been since the 1920s. Mm. And then, you know, then there's the long course of Jesuit studies, which, you know, a few years of philosophy up in St. Louis. I did some special studies in Greek and Latin in New York City for a master's. And, and then as part of our training, we send our scholastics, our young guys preparing for the priesthood to teach in one of the schools. So I taught uh, Greek and Latin at Jesuit High School in New Orleans for three years in, in the early 90s, and then off to Boston for my theology studies at the Jesuit School of Theology in Cambridge. And then after I was ordained a deacon, I was sent to Rome to the Pontifical Biblical Institute where I studied sacred scripture in Rome and Jerusalem wow. until the uh, Jubilee of 2000. And then after that, the province sent me back to the high school, back to Jesuit New Orleans for several years of teaching. And that led up to Hurricane Katrina and after Katrina, I've spent six months in the Philippines, a beautiful six months uh, there of ministry and preparation for my final vows. And then I, when I came back to the States, I was pastor at our downtown church in New Orleans for a couple of years before being missioned to Tampa and wow. back into our high school apostolate. Oh, man. What a great story. And, uh, you know, a the, long journey. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, indeed. But, uh, the Lord is always taking us on some pretty amazing, profound journeys, whether that's, uh, well, kind of geographically, like it sounds, you've had quite the geographic journey or whether it's just more profound, which he all does with all of us profound spiritually and grateful that you're, you've made your way up to this present moment where you're sitting with us here on the inner life. We're talking about devotion to the saints today, father. And, uh, Let's start off with just talking about what a saint is. What is a saint? How does the church define sainthood? Well, I mean, the church, you know, certainly from the catechism and, and the, you know, uh, Second Vatican Council, Lumen Gentium, talks about the, the sainthood as, as uh, the, the Christian, the baptized Christian who lives the Christian life fully, you know, who, who lives the perfection of charity. And that's mm -hmm. always the keynote of sanctity is, is, is the life of love of God and love of neighbor. Uh, you know, I tend to think of, of the saint. I mean, I, I think, of, and, and many people, you know, think of saints as just as friends of God. I think that's a really beautiful way, uh, you know, to think about what a saint is, you know, that mm -hmm. they're those who, who have that most intimate relationship with God. You know, the, the I think, I think the best, you know, one of the best Play, there's so many places in the Bible that you can go to to think about what sanctity means and who the saints are. But I think in Jesus's farewell discourse in the Gospel of John at the Last Supper, when he tells uh, the apostles gathered there that, you know, I no longer call you servants or slaves, right. but, but friends. You right. know, for a slave does not know what his master is about, is doing. And 
I've called you friends because everything I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. And so it's that sharing of, and, and, and then the saints are those who hear what Jesus you know, is sharing from the Father. They receive it and, and live it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just thinking of the saints as the friends of God is a, is a really beautiful way to, and a beautiful entry point into their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, and in and you've done your fair share of Bible uh, scholarship as well, Father, and it seems like the, the scriptures themselves use this term saints to refer to uh, well, mainly, mainly to living people, people who are currently living. But uh, the Catholic Church, when we hear the word saint, we usually think of those who have, have uh, entered into eternal life and, and now share intimate friendship with God face-to-face, as St. Paul puts it. So any kind of clarification there? I mean, are, are we co-opting a word to mean something specific in that way, or is it something that uh, yeah, just makes, makes natural sense when you talk about friends of God? Yeah, I think, well, I mean, at one level, you could say at one level, anyone who's baptized is already a friend of God. God has already shared his inner life with us and, and brought us into a participation. So there, there's a reality there, an identity that, that's given to us at baptism that, that is properly called sainthood, you know, saint, the saints of God. Uh, it's almost a, a term for those who belong to Christ, as you say in the, in the New Testament, through baptism. But there's okay. also a kind of a call and a, and a living out of that reality that, that, that that's, the, that's the task of our whole lives. Um, and it's, then it's the work of grace in our lives. I mean, God is the, you know, it's not our personal project to, you know, to reach the fullness of sanctity, far from it. You know, God is the, a, a great Dominican in theology taught me that God is the author of, saint, of sainthood. Mm. You know, he's our, he's nice. the goal of every Christian. And he's also the altar, the the author of our uh, of our holiness, of our beatitude, ultimately. Yeah. So yeah, fantastic. I think it's, it's it's a continu- It's a it's a it's a it's a reality, but there's a call to deepen that reality. Mm. I like that, Father. I like it very much. Thank you for that explanation. And when and when we start start speaking about the saints, I mean, it's something that oftentimes we as Catholics, and certainly in my pre-Catholic living, my pre-Catholic Christian living, it was somewhat called into suspicion as well. Um, of course, there's the uh, misconceptions that we we worship the saints or we see them as uh, as God in in different forms or something like that. Of course, we know that that's not true, but we do hold honor and veneration towards the saints. So um, does that maybe take this, take us into that a little bit too? What does veneration entail that is different than worship? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, it's the, and it's one that's, you know, of course, growing up in the South, I certainly heard that a lot. Uh, the charge that Catholics, you know, you're, you're displacing God, you're worshiping God. Um, you know, and then that's definitely a charge against the Catholic understanding and relationship with the saints. But, you know, the classic theology of the church and, and you know, uh, distinguishes between proper worship, latria and dulia, the, the veneration or the honor that we give. You know, there, there's a kind of honor or veneration that we give to people just in general in daily life, you know, in, in public life and civic life. You know, sometimes it gets misplaced. We tend to project it, that kind of veneration or honor onto people who aren't really worthy of it. But but we but we perceive excellence in what they're doing, whether they're athletes or, or actors or or statesmen or whatever they may be. There's a kind of a natural veneration and honor that we pay excellence, right? Mm. But that's far from uh, from the adoration and the worship of of God, who alone is deserving of that adoration. Worship, properly speaking, 
you know, is a, is a complete submission of self. It's a, recogni a recognition. It's what we owe the Creator. What we, the creature, owe the Creator. And there's, a dis there's a distinction between what we owe God, who is the source of all that we are and the creation of everything we know, and what we owe any creature, no matter how excellent or outstanding you know, that the created person may be. So mm. that's, that's the biggest distinction. Sometimes it gets a little confused in English because of the use of the word worship in, in older, among older generations, you know, 100, 200 years ago. People, you know, intelligent Catholics who knew the difference between what we owe God and what we, and the veneration that we owe Mary the, 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 and the saints, they would still use the term worship sometimes for Mary and the saints, but they always understood the difference between the worship of adoration and the worship of veneration. Mm. You know, veneration is paying, is really recognizing the excellence, and an excellence, by the way, that God has conferred on that person through grace, the excellence that we perceive in, in the great saints of the church, and of course, above all, you know, in the Blessed Virgin. So there's a, you know, I think that's an, and, and in fact, you know, our, our honoring of the saints who are creatures, in honoring them, we honor God, we honor God himself. Mm -hmm. I, I love the preface, the first preface of saints in the, uh, in the Roman Missal. You know, when we celebrate the feast day of any saint, you know, we, there may be different prefaces that, that can accompany that feast day, just the, the prayer, just prior to the Eucharistic prayer. And, you know, maybe if they're a martyr, there's a, one specifically for martyrs or a couple of choices. But in general, there, there are two choices for the saints. And the first one is just beautiful. You know, you are praised in the company of your saints. And in crowning their merits, you crown your own gifts. Hmm. So this, you know, this makes us realize that it's not a, again, it's not a personal success story that we're celebrating. You know, right. And, the, and then, then it explains very beautifully what veneration, what the saints mean to us. By their way of life, you offer us an example. By communion with them, you give us companionship, and by their intercession, sure support. So we, we, mm. we have saints as examples. We enjoy their friendship, their companionship, and we can count on them for support. You know, we can yeah. pray to them and ask for their intercession. Very good. Father Richard Hermes is our spiritual director for today here on The Inner Life. We're talking about devotion to the saints, friendship with the saints. Do you, are you friends with the saints? Do you have saints that you're close with who are meaningful to you? Do you have any saints that have helped you through difficult times? You have, Or maybe you have trouble trusting that saints are your intercessors, that they are our friends and seek to be just such in our journey of faith. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Either way, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Love to get you into the conversation here. You can also send us an email at innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we can read those out on the air as well. Well, Father, uh, kind of going off that, and and I appreciate very much the clarification there, you know, kind of invoking a sense of justice. What would we owe to God versus what we owe to creatures and uh, and giving our whole self to God in worship um, versus the honor and the veneration that we give to the saints. But another uh, thing that is often brought up, in fact, it was just brought up in a religion class that I was teaching the other day, um, well, why do you why do you Catholics why do you pray to the saints? I mean, why can't we just pray directly to Jesus? And what would you say is the Catholic response to that? Well, the first, I mean, the first thing is that just to, I think it's important to think about how we live our daily lives, right? How we live our Christian lives, our, our life mm -hmm. as followers of Christ, as disciples. And and I mean, the biblical witness is strong about praying for one another. The letters of Saint Paul, the Acts of the Apostles, but many many other places in the Bible, there's clear that, that, that those who believe in God, those who are followers of Christ, are praying for one another. And there, there's various kinds of intercession, asking one another for prayers, assuring one another of prayers. 
And that's also our, our common experience in daily life. You know, all, all day, every day, when, when there's, you're about to take a test, you're about to, you know, your mother's in the hospital, your husband is having financial difficulties, your parents are in, in marital, have marital problems, you're about to go play a, a football game or a lacrosse game. We ask each other for prayers all the time, right? Yeah. And, and we assure people of, the, of, of, our, of our prayers. So that's just the common experience of, of living in the church, of daily Christian life. And, and so, you know, we pray for one another now on earth, and it makes imminent sense that, you know, because we be- and, we, and we do so because we belong in Christ to one another. In Christ, we love one another. And so intercessory prayer is founded on our relationship with Christ, on our unity in Christ. You know, the, the, the objection is usually, why don't, you know, you're, you're creating mediators between God and man. Why not just go directly right. to God? Why not go right. directly? And the, and, the, and the short answer is, we do go directly to God, directly to the Lord Jesus himself. And by his will, we go in communion with one another. You know, we never just mm-hmm. go as an isolated individual. But, but we're always, in, from the moment we're baptized, we're in the body. And yeah. we're in communion with one another. And so, so our prayer is always, a, a Catholic prayer is always in communion with the saints. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, there's no, and, and as it is on, on this earth, in this life, so even more so in the next. I mean, death doesn't separate us. And that's mm-hmm. one of the most important things to say to people at a funeral, I believe, and to think about on All Souls Days. Death does not have the final word. Uh, and it doesn't separate us. So the saints who live in the presence of God, you know, eternally, seeing God face to face, I mean, they're closer to us in heaven than they are on earth. So all the more so would we turn to them in that ongoing life of prayer that, you know, that, that we had when they were here on earth. With them. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Our spiritual director today, Father Richard Hermes, has given us a good explanation about why do we pray to the saints. And uh, if you have a particular saint that you pray to, that you uh, enjoy a particular friendship with, if you'd like to share about that friendship, you have a favorite saint and like to give him or her a shout-out here on the air, we welcome that today as we're talking about devotion to and friendship with the saints. Maybe a particular saint has helped you through difficult times, or maybe you do have a question about your relationship, how to cultivate a relationship with the saints, how to understand better the Catholic teaching about the saints. We welcome those as well. Our phone number here. To join the conversation is 888-914-9149, again, 888-914-9149, or you can send us an email at innerlife at relevantradio.com. More coming up with The Inner Life right after this short break, and more conversation with the saints, developing our friendship with the saints. Join us and keep staying with us. We'll be back right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Well, when the saints, when the saints go marching in, go marching in, well, when the saints go marching in. Good Lord, I want, want to be in the number when the saints go marching in. Ah, indeed. Well, Welcome I back to the Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. We're talking about devotion to the saints today, friendship with the saints. I do want to be in that number when the saints go marching in, and I hope you do too. We believe 
as a, as we know, we believe in the communion of the saints. Our spiritual director today is Father Richard Hermes, who is a Jesuit priest and the president of Jesuit High School in Tampa, Florida. Shout out to Jesuit High School. Hope many of your uh, students and faculty are tuning in to hear you today on your debut here on the Inner Life, Father. Uh, Father, let's go back to or let's go to the phones here for the first time. Diane is calling in from West Bend, Wisconsin. Diane, welcome to the Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Uh, first, pray that I don't crack up as I'm driving. Sorry, I'll pull over. Uh, yes. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep, just yes, fine. We can hear you. Just checking. All right. Hi, Father, and I wish I was down in Anna Maria Island near Tampa. Anyway, oh. <laughs> uh, my quick, yeah, yeah, I love Anna Maria, named after the Mother of God, and of course Maria. Anyway, yes, it is my story, and I'll keep it very concise, and then you can uh, whatever. Uh, 2015, I was diagnosed with early stage lung cancer, kind of a God wink, as my mother calls it, who's 95. I wasn't having any symptoms or anything, and I just, it was a doorknob question. I asked for early CT because I had uh, quit smoking a year or two before, and and the doc says, we can give you an x-ray. He said, no, no, I want a CT because that shows the early lung cancer. And he called me in the afternoon, and I said, okay, this is not a uh, social call. And he said, no. I had been reading a couple books on Padre Pio. And I love Padre Pio, and and I find him fascinating, and and all the things that God gifted him with, with by location and reading people's souls, and he, you know, you know, an Italian priest, and he's fascinating. Well, I had a relic; I still have it, a, a first class relic of Padre Pio, and I fell to my knees when I got the call from my doc, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to die, you know, <laughs> I have lung cancer, you know. Um, now I'm 63. Um, and we have children. They're just out of college now, so I'm an older mom, all three girls. Anyway, uh, I felt his presence as I held that relic and begged God. And um, I said, Padre Pio, if it's God's will, please just, you know, intercede for me. And, and just, I'm scared. And uh, the, I'm, I'm sorry. The, what I love what Padre Pio said is, pray, hope, and don't worry. I've always been good on the praying and the hoping but I told Padre Pio, it's that third one, don't worry. And uh, that's one. I said, please help me with that. Every time I went over to UW-Madison to get checked out and have follow-up CT scans, of course, with lung cancer particularly, which is the most deadly cancer, I took him along with the relic. I read devotionals and stuff on the way over, whatever. I have been cancer-free with no reoccurrence since 2015, and I attribute that to God first, but uh, just Padre Pio's sense of peace and a physicalness like he was literally holding my hand. I could feel him by me. That's why I'm crying, because he's he's like, I want to find out, you know, I'm a spiritual daughter type thing, uh, however you do that. But that is my story, and uh, God would have done what he did anyway, of course, but to have this wonderful saint in my back pocket so to speak that's beautiful he's the one that's powerful that. yeah yeah oh my goodness yeah that's beautiful and that's you know that that goes to the i mean two things that i think of there is it just how do we pray to the saints well if they're friends of god they're friends they can be our friends and so we you know just as you did you talk to them like a friend heart to heart and you know i love that pray hope don't worry like well 
but Padre Pio, I worry constantly. What, how could I not worry? Diagnosed with lung cancer, mm. fearing for my life, right? Help me not to worry. Mm-hmm. Beg Jesus to give me the grace not to worry. Amen to that. And I got to say, Diane, you're a day too early. And I'll tell you why, because tomorrow here on The End of Life, we're going to be talking about pray, hope, and don't worry. We're going to honor Padre Pio because his feast day <laughs> is Saturday. So, yeah, you called in a day too early, Diane. No, no, please be sure to listen tomorrow. We're grateful for your call. We join you in rejoicing that Padre Pio has been such a great friend to you. We're talking about devotion to and friendships with the saints today. If you have a saint that you'd like to tell a story about that's made a significant difference in your life at some point, Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. So from Diane, let's go to Claudia coming in, calling in from Suffern, New York. Good. Um, My favorite saint is, is, is St. Anthony. Uh, because I am, I do lose things occasionally, and um, just about every time I pray to him to help me find it, I, I do. Hmm. Well, Claudia, I you know I, I can join your club then because I lose things all the time as well and uh, and I when I people ask me well have you found it has it, well I said it's not lost yet I haven't really gotten to praying to Saint Anthony once I, let me look for it once I've looked everywhere and then haven't found it then I turn to Saint Anthony and and he and he seems like he always comes through but you know the the beautiful devotion to Saint Anthony uh, connected with our fumblings through life and losing things. Uh, that also connects us to the poor because there's that tradition of, of, you know, giving of yourself to the poor that was strong in the life of St. Anthony. And, and the tradition is that when you find that lost object, you do put some money in the poor box. But St. Anthony, above all, we, he's always picked, we have a beautiful statue of St. Anthony here on campus and he's holding the child Jesus and just St. Anthony gazing into the face of the child Jesus and then leading us to imitate him by doing that. You know, that's the, that's the great greatness of St. Anthony as, as a friend of God, you know, as a lover of God and as a great saint. And he is a great saint. Yeah, very good. Claudia, thank you for that. I'm sure that many other people would join in you, join with you in saying that. But I love the clarification that you made there, Father, that, uh, that yeah, it's really that St. Anthony guides us to the Lord, which all the saints do, right? I mean, that's, that's their role is to help us out in our relationship with Jesus by a friendship with them. So grateful for that. That's and exactly. speaking of which, um, you know, I'm going all the way back to our rejoin there where our producer Nick was playing uh, when the saints go marching in. Um, what about the communion of saints? I mean, what, what, what does that mean? When we say that every Sunday, I believe in the communion of saints, um, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about all who belong to Christ here, those on earth, those in purgatory, those in heaven. That's the communion of saints. And, and it's, it's a, the catechism makes it clear that that it's a sharing in holy things and, and then a sharing of one another's lives, right? It's the sharing of, the, of those who have been graced with holiness by God, the sharing with one another. But we also communicate in the holy things. We receive the sacraments. We re- we've received baptism, and now we're able to receive, you know, the Eucharist to communicate mm-hmm. with the body, of, the, the body of Christ in that special way through the sacrament, blessed sacrament. So but one of my, my favorite two feast days back to back are probably All Saints Day and All Souls Day because ah. we have the opportunity to live the communion of saints so richly in those two days and to 
pray the prayers of the mass to pre for me to preach on those two days or or for all of us to visit you know with devotion a cemetery to decorate the the graves of our parents or, or loved ones uh, here in Tampa we've a couple of years ago we brought a group of students down to this Catholic portion of a public cemetery in downtown Tampa where a number of priests from the late 1800s local clergy died of the yellow fever and what a beautiful education in the communion of faith saints for all of us to go down there and mm -hmm. pray before those tombs and uh, but yeah it's 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 those of us who are struggling on earth uh, you know the going through the daily spiritual battles of life uh, of living out discipleship of Christ that's the the church militant and then the church suffering is the church in purgatory that's through suffering being purged cleansed of their sins cleansed by the word of God and the blood of Christ that final purification you know that leads to the to the church triumphant the, the glory mm -hmm. of the saints in heaven who, who see God face to face yeah yeah very good let's go back to the phones now Adrienne is calling in from Oaklawn Illinois Adrienne welcome to the program thank you my question is when a person is beatified um, or sainted. I, I guess that means they become a saint. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is it dogma, like from the chair of Peter, or more of a tradition or a doctrine? So that's an excellent question. And, and when a first of all, when a person is beatified or, or let's say canonized, that's that's when they're declared a saint. That that does that, that does not make them a saint. The Pope doesn't make a. a a Christian who has lived a holy life and died a saint. The Pope declares that the person is with God in heaven, that the person is uh, a, a, has reached the perfection of charity and has lived the Christian life fully. And that declaration is considered to be an infallible declaration, yes. And that's why the process is so rigorous and, and, and why we need indications, even supernatural indications, namely miracles. That's part of the process. Uh, before the Pope makes that judgment. Of course, he makes it in collaboration with many others who, who have guided the process and studied the saint's life and heard the testimony and, and, and seen the testimony. So yeah, the, the declaration that an individual Christian is a saint does not make them a saint, but it recognizes with the infallibility of the chair of Peter that the person is in heaven. And, and therefore, we can publicly vener venerate that saint we can reliably see that saint as an example. We can turn to that saint for intercession, and we can consider that saint a companion in our daily life. Mm. Yeah, very good. I appreciate the question, Adrian. It is a good question, and uh, certainly as we're seeking to cultivate friendships with the saints, it's always good to keep an eye on what's going on in terms of beatifications and canonizations and that sort of thing, because it's just like your your circle of friends is ever-growing, right? And I I really enjoy Spe that. Too. Yeah. Yeah, Especially go ahead, with the last three popes. Yeah, we have <laughs> true, true enough, true enough. Thanks, Adrian, for the call. Great question. Uh, and let's go now to Grace, who's calling in from Arlington, Virginia. Good afternoon to you, Grace. Welcome. Hello. Uh, good afternoon. Well, I love Archangel St. Raphael, and uh, when I learned about him in uh, a, long, a few years ago, I um, really just became, and I, I love him because he's the Archangel of Joy, Healing, Love, and Happy Meetings. And so I, have, I started buying the book, Walking with St. Raphael by um, 
Father uh, Lawrence Lavasic from 1954 and started a prayer group. In the prayer group, we pray a rosary for priests, and then we pray prayers for healing. And the book, the prayers in that book are just for our time. Um, we pray for through Raphael's intercession for healing. We pray for Christian families, for purity, for, for finding a holy Catholic spouse. Um, it's like the prayers are an antidote for what our world is going through right now. And um, Archangel Raphael is also the angel of happy meetings, and I give out these books uh, when a new person comes to our prayer meeting and other people, and I've given out probably more than 200 of the books. And so I've just met all these really, really wonderful people and Raphael has enriched me with many, many new friend, wonderful friends. Hmm. So I thank God. That's 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 beautiful. I've, I've never heard of that book, so I appreciate your mentioning that and telling us about it. Walking with Saint Raphael, who, whose name means God heals, so it's it's so appropriate to focus your your prayer in the circle on on healing. And and you, I was just listening. You mentioning different intentions you have. I mean. People who struggle with impurity need often need the healing of memory so that the their past misdeeds do not continue to come back and, and either entice them or haunt them. Or people in broken relationships, you need the healing of relationships within families, among spouses, and you know personal wounds that we've carried through life that we need healing from. So, you know, Saint Raphael is the Archangel Raphael, whose feast day is coming up, September 29th, yeah. with the other archangels is wonderful saint to pray to for that yeah yep and this is the well uh there are certainly many any time of the year is a good time to celebrate the saints but uh this is such a rich time of year with a lot of great uh memorials feasts and solemnities around this time of year and honoring the saints in that way so grace thanks for the call appreciate that good testimony about the friendship with saint Raphael the archangel and we are talking about friendship with the saints today here on The Inner Life. And if you have a story of a friendship with a saint that you particularly enjoy, we'd love to hear from you. 888 Again, 888-914-9149. Well, Father, I, uh, I'm just thinking about, I mean, the calls that we've taken so far, and we're talking about developing a friendship with the saints, um, all of them have mentioned to some degree or other prayer that uh, talking with them, which makes perfect sense, of course. Um, but there also should be probably some degree of learning about the saint as well. Yeah. So how would you, how would you recommend yeah, that one go about cultivating friendship with the saints? Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, for, I think if you start with, as you mentioned earlier, you start with your, your patron saints, I think your, your own, your very name. I mean, increasingly people are receiving, you know, non-Christian names, but if you think about, you know, my my middle name is Charles, so I, you know, throughout my life have tried to cultivate a relationship and learn about the great uh, Bishop of Milan, the Cardinal St. Charles Borromeo, who was a great reforming bishop. My confirmation name is St. Peter. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, always, always my ears always perk up when the gospel includes St. Peter. Yeah. And, and you, we, you know, he, he's a, the, the great zealous apostle the first of the apostles, but the one who constantly learns from his falls, you know, and, and is, is allows himself to be guided by, uh, by the Lord. You know, St. Charles Borromeo, in the wake of the Council of Trent, this tremendous pastoral administrator, this literal prince, he was a prince, a prince of the church, but he was a, he had a kind of a princely station in society from his family, and, and, but, but humility, deep, deep humility in the face of all the earthly honors that he 
could receive and did receive, but you know, he'd wear a hair shirt under his Episcopal uh, uh, robes. Um, so I think start with the saints that are close to you. I mean, I went to a school, St. John Berkman's, uh, for eighth grade, and that was the cathedral of Shreveport. And then three hours south of there in Grand Coteau, Louisiana, is a little chapel at the Sacred Heart Convent where the third miracle that was accepted for his canonization, you know, he performed. He, he healed a young postulant there in the 1880s or 1860s. And, and so there's a, there's a shrine there, a shrine chapel for John Berkman's. Um, so start, you know, St. Ignatius, naturally, I'm a Jesuit. He's, he's probably the most central saint, uh, you know, short of the Blessed Virgin Mary day to day in my life, you know. But you have to read about them and learn about them. And, and so finding good saints' lives, um, going to the places where they lived if you have that opportunity, you know, uh, venerating when you have the opportunity, the relics related to the saints, any saint, but especially the saints you love. These are all powerful ways of drawing close to them and building the friendship. Right. With them. Okay, very good. Well, if you, again, have a story of a saint that has meant a lot to you, give us a call. Uh, we'd love to have you on the air, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Our discussion today is taking place with Father Richard Hermes of Jesuit Priest and President of Jesuit High School in Tampa, Florida. And he's given us lots to chew on here. So we talk about how the saints can really help us along in our journey. Because, as he said, we never do it alone. We're always part of the mystical body of Christ, which uh, the saints who have gone before us are elder brothers and sisters and good friends. They want to reach out and help us along the way. So that's what we're talking about today on The Inner Life. We're going to take another short break. We'll be back with more of the conversation right after this. Don't go away. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. Lots of great stuff going on here at Relevant Radio, especially as we're getting ready for the Eucharistic Congress. Yes, we are already. It's less than a year away, coming up in July of 2024. And hey, have you heard about this new video series we got called Eucharistic Encounters? Powerful short stories of lives changed by Christ, as told by Father Rocky in some beautiful, timeless locations. You'll receive a new video every week for the next 33 weeks. Deepen your love for Christ in the Eucharist and sign up for this free video series at relevantradio.com slash encounter. That's relevantradio.com slash encounter. I think you'll really enjoy this week's story. And let me just drop a little teaser. If you have any uh, any wondering about how your Catholic faith ties in with fishing, yeah, go over and check it out. Relevantradio.com slash encounter. Uh, again, uh, great stuff going on here at Relevant Radio, uh, especially due on this show to our producer, Nick Sentovich, and Jim Shaper on the phones today with us. And our spiritual director, Father Richard Hermes, we're talking about friendship with the saints and uh, have had some, some great calls so far. We've got more on tap. Let's go now to Therese calling in from Illinois. Therese, welcome to the program. Thanks for calling. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a story about St. Joseph, and it's really my husband's story. So my husband was not born and raised Catholic. He converted to Catholicism as an adult. And because he was a husband and a father, he chose St. Joseph as his patron saint. 
And over the years, and he, he converted 26 years ago, so he was a Catholic for quite some time. And over the years, um, he really developed a devotion to St. Joseph. In the last few years, he found this prayer that he prayed every morning to St. Joseph. And I'm just going to read the last few lines of the prayer. It says, O St. Joseph, I never weary of contemplating you and Jesus asleep in your arms. I dare not approach while he reposes near your heart. Press him in my name and kiss his fine head for me and ask him to return the kiss when I draw my dying breath. St. Joseph, patron of departing souls, pray for me. My husband died a few months ago, but the day he died, he went to Mass that morning, so he received the Eucharist, and then he went into the hospital for treatment, but he never made it out. But before he died, he was anointed. We were able to get a Catholic priest to come and anoint him. And he also received the apostolic pardon. So I really feel St. Joseph he came through for my husband. And that's kind of my story. <laughs> yes, that's, that's the St. Joseph is the patron of a good death. And what you described your husband's passing is the definition of a good death. You know, with in a, in a in a loving relationship, and uh, fortified by the sacraments of the church, that's a good death. Being prepared for the Lord by receiving the Lord even now in this life, and that's so we should always pray as our as a, if our loved ones are approaching the end of life or they're undergoing serious surgery, um, or have some particular illness that that could be life threatening. We should turn to Saint Joseph and pray for them, and especially when they're they're at at the end of life, really at death's door, we should pray for that passage and that that sense of peace in their heart. Um, my, my own father's middle name is Joseph, so I have a strong devotion to St. Joseph. And that prayer you read really speaks about the two qualities I think of, with two of the qualities I think of of, of St. Joseph, you know, his strength and, and the tenderness. He's the guardian of the Redeemer, so that, that manly tenderness for his son, the child Jesus, is, I think, very strong and, and should be very strong in our devotion uh, to St. Joseph. Mm. Therese, thank you for the beautiful story and the call. And it, I guess the image that's jumping to mind to me, for me, Father, is that, uh, you know, if the saints are there helping us along the way, even picturing them, you know, taking my hand and helping me forward in my journey to Christ, that, of course, they would be there at the at the moment. I mean, we pray that in the Hail Mary, right? Pray yeah, for right. us sinners now yeah. and at the hour of our death, that, that a very pivotal moment when we enter into eternal life, that they're going to be there to assist us on that that uh, that transition, that um, birth itself, right? Yeah, the great cloud of witnesses is not just standing on the side looking at us. They're, they're with us. They're, they're part of our lives. Right, right. So fantastic. Let's talk about, um, in our remaining minutes here, Father, one of the things I wanted to bring up for sure is um, that of relics. We've got a couple of relics on tour here in my area of the country, and, uh, you know, there's there's different relics that, I, of course, we encounter in our, in our parish churches as well. But uh, what's the role of relics in our veneration and friendship with the saints? They're, they're extremely important. I mean, first of all, just the physicality, you know, the, the part of a saint's body. It reminds us of their bodily life on earth, that through these bodies, through the bodies that they had, a body like ours, that they gave glory to God, and, you know, and they lived out the life of charity. They actually existed. They're not just, you know, uh, 
in the realm of old dusty books or, or, or hazy legends from the past. That's why I think, you know, all of the many canonizations of Pope John Paul II, um, who was the champion of canonizations, Pope Benedict and, and Pope mm-hmm. Francis, you know, and, and especially their canonizations of modern saints, of saints in the past hundred years, sure. um, is very important for us because the saints are not something remote. They're, they're not inaccessible to us. So to, so to have the relics, whether it's a small relic or, you know, at the, at the shrine of the North American Martyrs in Midland, Ontario, there's a large part of the skull of St. Jean de Brebeuf, you know, and, and mm-hmm. for many, I think of St. Bernadette in Nevers and her convent, her beautifully preserved incorrupt body there. These draw us close to them, and it's, it's no different from what people do when their own loved ones die. They, people might keep a lock of hair or they'll keep precious possessions of them, certainly images, photos, videos as reminders to keep our loved ones who have gone close to us. And that, that's, that's certainly an important part of the role of relics. You know, So venerating relics and reviving the veneration of relics, not just letting relics be something we gaze at or walk by and look at with curiosity, but really venerating, you know, devoutly kissing the relic when it's offered for ven- veneration hmm. or, or going to the places associated with the saints. I mean, I, I was in Lourdes this past summer on a student pilgrimage and just going into the little cachot where St. Bernadette lived, this very awful little, had, it had been a jail, and her whole family was gathered in this little room. That's where she lived when she had the, saw, saw Our Lady at the Grotto of Massabiel. And, but being in there, you feel you feel you're in her. You feel she's there with you. You know, you go to the rooms of Saint Ignatius at the Jesu in Rome, and you see his cloak and his slippers, mm-hmm. and you you think he's about to step out of his bedroom and greet you. You know, and that's how we develop a living relationship with the saints. You know, mm-hmm. the, knowing them, being with them, going to the places where they live, venerating their relics. Yeah, very good. And Father, uh, I well, I too. That's that's been something I, I will admit that in in coming into the Catholic Church from the from a Protestant tradition, that's that's had to grow on me a little bit. I've had to <laughs> kind of understand that a little bit more. And um, but now it seems like it, yeah, I can really see the the ultimate value in that as we again are not displacing our our attitude towards God, but rather we're enhancing it. I would say through the veneration of these relics and uh, and looking for them and. If a church perhaps doesn't have any reliquaries on display or anything like that, is there any way that you would encourage people to encounter relics? Well, sometimes the, the relics will come through, you know, the important relics of saints will come through a diocese or, right. or a country, and it's important, I think, to seek those out. And, and, and when you're traveling, you know, people, people are fairly mobile these days and get overseas, but even in different parts of the country, to, to pay attention to where relics may be in a, in a cathedral, a basilica, a shrine, a convent church, parish church, you know, and then, and then use those opportunities that you have to to venerate them when, when you encounter them in your travels. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, good point. Very good point. Father, how about resources? I mean, as I said, one of the things that we want to do is we want to learn about the saints as well. Any recommendations for how to learn about the saints? Any books that you might recommend? Well, I, I would definitely say, you know, I'll put in a plug for Father Fessio's Ignatius Press. They have a great resource of lives about the saints for kids, for adults as well. Uh, but I think it's also important to read the, the writings of the saints. You know, St. Francis de Sales' Introduction to the Devout Life is, a, is just a beautiful spiritual treatise. And you can pick it up at any point where he talks about virtues or renouncing sin and just read like a little chapter a day. Especially the beginning of St. Augustine's Confessions. That's always mm-hmm. been... You know where he tells his own conversion story 
Uh, St. Ignatius does the same thing in his own autobiography, a much shorter work than the Confessions, but it's all about St. Ignatius's conversion uh, to God, to a life of service to God. I mean, I, I think uh, St. Therese's story of a soul, I mean, what could be more beautiful than, than encountering that great young modern saint than through her own words? Um, mm. I, I, always, I, I read recently, I, I've had it on my shelf for years, but, but coming back from Lourdes, I read The Song of Bernadette by Franz Werfel, a, a Jewish author who, who encountered Bernadette in Lourdes when he was fleeing from the Nazis in the 1940s. He encountered, you know, the, the story of Lourdes. And he said when he got finally got safe to the United States, he said he was going to sing the song of Bernadette. And then that, of course, became a major motion picture in America that, that was right, nominated yeah. for an Academy Award. And even though it's in black and white, I highly recommend it, you know, to, to this. It's, it's a powerful movie, but it's a powerful historical novel he also wrote as well. So I think reading the saints themselves is really important. You know, collections of their letters or diaries, spiritual diaries. Um, you know, or the great classic works by the saints. Mm, very good. So, uh, and one caller is calling in. Well, we don't have time to get you on the air, James. Sorry about that. But I'll ask your question for you. And, and uh, James is wondering, he's calling in from right there in Tampa, actually, wondering if you have any modern saints that he can recommend devotion, that you can recommend devotion to besides he lists St. Maximilian Kovey and St. Uh, Mother Teresa, Teresa of Calcutta. Yeah, I mean, the, this family that was just beatified in Poland this week, the Ulma family, It'll be, you know, St. Joseph and Victoria and companions, but the companions happen to be their six children plus their seventh unborn child who were murdered by the Nazis because this family took the parable of the Good Samaritan literally and, and shielded Jews during the German occupation. Um, uh, George, Pier Giorgio Frassati, the Italian uh, young man in the, in, who died in the 1920s, very young, uh, just lived a life of tremendous charity to the poor and joy among his friends. Uh, blessed Carlo Acutis, mm -hmm. the saint, the young saint in Italy who died at a very young age. I think it was cancer, but but some disease that that claimed his life and 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 the way he handled his sufferings, but also devoted himself in his last years to promoting Eucharistic miracles. Uh, a, a little known favorite of mine is Blessed Carl of Austria, who would have been who was the last reigning. Emperor of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. He and his wife are both beatified by John Paul II. And, uh, you know, just to read about him and their marriage and, and the way a man could have such a great station in life and, and then to all the sufferings he had to go when, when they were, he was basically deprived of, of the emperorship yeah. uh, but lived a holy and devout life. Wow. Some great suggestions there for you, James. I hope that helps a lot. And Father, it's been great to have this conversation with you here on The Inner Life. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we always like to close the show with a blessing from our spiritual director. So if you would, please. Yeah, this, today's the Feast of St. Matthew the Apostle. Mm -hmm. So let us pray. O oh God, who with untold mercy were pleased to choose as an apostle St. Matthew the tax collector, grant that sustained by his example and intercession, we may merit to hold firm in following you through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. As always, over at RelevantRadio.com slash InnerLife, you can find the show and share it with others. Tomorrow, pray, hope, and don't worry. Join us. Grace and peace.